Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Well, hey, again, Merry Christmas. Uh, We're so grateful you decided to celebrate with us today, especially in light of the circumstances. Um, Have you ever had, like, the biggest service of your year that you've worked for, like, a month on making really amazing line up perfectly with the start of like the largest winter event we've had all year. Yeah, me neither. Uh, no, I, maybe it's my fault because we've called this whole thing all month long messy Christmas. And like I said earlier, we've been acknowledging the reality that uh, sometimes Christmas doesn't feel as merry as we intend for it to feel. Sometimes life doesn't feel as perfect as Christmas is supposed to be. And, and we've been trying to acknowledge that together. And, and today, as we celebrate Christmas here at Story Church, uh, we want to create space for that again, create space for you wherever you may be. And uh, I don't know if you've ever personally had a messy Christmas, maybe a a Christmas season that didn't turn out the way that you expected, but something you need to know about me is I really love watching fail videos online where I just watch people fail at things. Um, It's kind of sick and twisted, I guess, but I think it's funny. And so I looked up some Christmas fails. These are definitely some messy Christmas experiences. And the first ones I wanted to show with you tonight Um, actually involve puppies. And part of that is because uh, this is my family recently added Penny the Bernadoodle. And she has added a nice amount of like puppy chaos and mess to my life this season. Um, I think I've said the word off more than anything because she loves jumping on her couch. Uh, But she has thankfully not done anything like this little puppy here. He just went to town (laughs) on the decorations. I expected it to happen, honestly, because of some of my tree drama. We'll talk about that in a second. This, this feels more like Penny. <laughs> I like the adorable shame posture. Like, I'm so sorry. I know what I did. Um, I mentioned tree drama. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how I bought all the wrong lights for my tree, and it took us like three weeks to get it. I'll put back together. It's going to be a nightmare to take down because I just wove strands all throughout it. It's like tied in a knot together. Uh, But this next video is the reason that I'm on team artificial tree because look what happened to this mall. (laughs) Everyone else is concerned, and I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's concerning too, but it begs the question, how many security guards does it take to put out a raging mall tree fire? I don't know, but um, this next tree fail is also one of my favorites because pay attention to the guy at the end. Check this out. He's got it. It's looking good. Uh, now wait for it. Right there. <laughs> We've all had a season like that, right? Where something happens, you're like, no, it's going to stay there. That's, that's where it belongs. Uh, this last one I wanted to share with you, Again, I feel like this little girl is channeling the energy that some of us have around this time of year. Uh, Check out how she felt about Santa. (laughs) She's like, I asked for the Easy Bake Oven. (laughs) And I also love how dad's like, all right. (laughs) 
nice hook, girl. Like, I don't know, just going for it. But um, in all seriousness, like Christmas can be messy, even in the midst of all the merriment. And uh, I can remember growing up, I had a few messy Christmases, or I should say I caused a few messy Christmases because I was kind of a, a snarky little know-it-all kid. Um, it didn't really wear off, I guess. I just got a little taller. Uh, but I remember my mom being mad at me one year because we were decorating Christmas cookies, and it was like this wholesome, fun thing that we're always supposed to do together. But I made all of my Christmas cookies emo Christmas cookies. <laughs> So like it was like a snowman, but he had like black icing all over and looked really sad. I wasn't really sad. I just thought it was funny, but she didn't find it quite as funny. Um, and I think last year I actually shared with you one of my messiest Christmas stories, uh, where on Christmas Eve, I ended up punching my brother in the stomach in the parking lot of a Chinese restaurant because we were hungry and arguing over what we were supposed to do. And I don't remember what the fight was even about, but I can remember my mom like screaming back in horror, like, it's Christmas Eve! And I'm like pummeling him. And uh, it's an infamous story now in our family, fighting in the uh, Chinese restaurant parking lot at Christmas time. But on a more serious note, I think probably all of us at some point have felt a Christmas that didn't quite feel like Christmas, right? a season where like all of the same stuff happened. You went through all the motions, you heard the songs in the mall, and you did all your shopping, you put up your tree, but there's something about it that just felt kind of off. Uh, I remember I had a season like that in 2019 because I personally had been going through a, a lot of unexpected loss and a lot of unexpected change. Uh, my grandfather passed away early in 2019, and it was unexpected on, on my dad's side, and I can remember carrying the weight of that even on into the holiday season. Um, I was talking about my puppy. Our first dog uh, passed away at four years old uh, the day after my birthday, which is in November. So it was like right around the holiday season. And I remember like just being shaken up by that unexpected loss and, and the pain of that. Um, at the same time, there was a lot of confusion happening in my world because uh, if you've been around our church for any amount of time, you know we were going through a season of change where the church that we were previously a part of was merging with a different church. And I was like, what does that mean for my job and this community that we've been building? And, and it was just a difficult season, uh, not to mention that I didn't know what was coming in March of 2020, <laughs> right around the corner. I, I think we all experienced a messy Christmas that year, right? And probably were tired of hearing about it in some ways, but it, it was this moment where we experienced that Christmas isn't always what we try and make it on the Christmas card. That, that Christmas and life at Christmas time can still have a lot of reality packaged in with it. And, and we all hoped for a holly jolly, perfect Christmas, but have you ever stopped to acknowledge that the very first Christmas, like the reason that we're gathered together, the thing that we're celebrating today, the very first Christmas was messier than we often admit. I mean, the whole thing started with an unexpected pregnancy and all of the, the chaos and the uncertainty that comes with that. And it was followed by all kinds of relational tension. As Joseph was asking questions about like how this happened and, and what it meant, uh, as Mary and Joseph's family members didn't understand the miraculous circumstances and the community didn't understand, there was all this mess happening relationally. And that relational mess was built on top of a, a political system that was uh, overwhelming the Roman government at that time were essentially oppressing God's people. They had conquered them. They were ruling over them. And then to make matters worse, they declared a census had to be taken. So they had this uh, overwhelming, uh, overbearing government, then asking them to travel. Uh, there was economic uncertainty. I mean, Joseph was a carpenter, as you may know, but that doesn't mean he was necessarily all that well off, and especially he wasn't ready for an unexpected baby to arrive. And, and if you know the story, in the midst of the Christmas story, it's the nobodies who take center stage. It's the shepherds out in a field who are out doing hard work. They're probably dirty and smelly and living on the outskirts of town. 
but they're the ones who are invited in. They're the ones who, who actually share the news of the miracle of Christmas in the first time. And it's a miracle, but it's messy all at the same time. And all of that story was built on this backdrop of God being silent for four to 500 years, where, where God had just stopped talking to his people and the people were left wondering if God could somehow be present in the midst of the mess. And, and isn't it true that while Christmas ha- has a little more mess in it than we often admit, isn't it true that life is also messier than we often admit? Uh, if you're like me, maybe, you, uh, I haven't sent them out yet, so I've got like a day, but maybe you made Christmas cards like me, <laughs> uh, or maybe you sent them out. We want life to look amazing there, but often life has a little bit of mess baked into it. Like maybe there's some stuff going on for you at work this season, a- and it doesn't feel like you want it to feel. Maybe uh, your career didn't just look like climbing the ladder to the top. Maybe there's something going on with your health that, that's unexpected, that's messy, that's weighing you down this season. Maybe there's a relationship that has some tension in it, something in your family, or or who knows? I mean, maybe it's like the weather itself, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's chaos. Uh, The reality is life is often messier than we want to admit, and maybe this season, it's left you wondering if God is present with you this Christmas, if Christmas is really going to happen for you. What I want you to see today uh, with our time together is that what we're celebrating this season is that the miracle of Christmas It's not just something we look back on. It's not just something that happened in the middle of a mess 2,000 years ago. But the miracle of Christmas for you today and for me today is that God can show up in the midst of your mess today. God can show up in the midst of wherever you find yourself today. And, And often I think the things that make life feel messy are the things that make us feel out of control, right? All those unexpected things that that show up and kind of rock our world. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but there are countless things that are out of our control every single day that impact our life daily. Like on the cosmic level, the sun is gonna burn out of its hydrogen in approximately uh, like five billion years from now, roughly. So probably nothing you have to worry about, but like you can't do anything about it. It just is what it is because it's a star or on a like smaller, more personal level, snow happens, right? <laughs> like, like winter storms happen. Uh, toddlers eventually become teenagers. And there's this unexpected change that's happening. Uh, You get blindsided by something. Maybe you hear a song or or you see something on TV and it hits you with emotions that you didn't expect and you feel out of control. Your hair turns gray, right? Or you lose your hair. (laughs) Like, Like there's all these things that we don't have control over in life, but what we do have control over is how we respond to things. What we do have control over is how we react. And and sometimes I think the very things that can feel out of control about our lives and maybe the very things that feel out of control for you this season can be the very things that we need. Because what we're acknowledging this Christmas is that a baby named Jesus came into this world. Uh, But your choice is how you respond to that. Your choice is how you respond to his arrival And I think sometimes we kind of simplify Jesus' arrival and our response to it to be as simple as like, do you believe it happened or not? Like like it's a yes or no, pass, fail. But I think a better question this season, if you find yourself in the midst of a mess, might be, are you willing to receive it? And are you willing to be changed by it? Are, Are you willing to receive that idea that Jesus is with you in this moment? And, you know, I think for many of us, our image of God, and our reaction to this idea of God showing up amongst us, it's tied to what your picture of God is like. 
I've been walking with some friends through some difficult stuff recently, and it's led me uh, to being at the courthouse downtown a few times for some meetings. And uh, as I was sitting at the courthouse uh, this past week, actually, I was thinking about how many of us have kind of a courtroom image of God. We think of God as a judge who's coming to maybe punish us or hold us accountable for the things that we've done. We think that God and church is supposed to be harsh and cold and unforgiving like the law but that's not the God that we see in the midst of the Christmas story. The God at Christmas draws near to us. The God at Christmas draws near to our mess, not to judge it, but in order to connect with us. And in fact, um, years after Christmas happened, uh, there was a group of Jesus followers trying to figure out what it looked like to really follow him well. And uh, it's recorded in the Bible as the book of Hebrews, but it's this odd little letter written by Jewish Christians trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus, and they make this connection in this letter that Jesus is basically like the high priest. And in uh, ancient Israel, the high priest was the person who interacted with God and the people. He came between God and the people and helped them relate to one another. But here's what the author of the letter of Hebrews said about Jesus. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. See, Jesus can empathize with us. Jesus understands what it's like to be us. And in light of that, the author goes on and says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, Jesus became one of us at Christmas time. And what that means for you and what that means for me is that we can approach him boldly and confidently knowing that he understands what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to face whatever you're facing this season. And there's certain kinds of knowledge that I think can really only happen through participation. There's certain kinds of knowledge that can only be gained through actually experiencing something. And uh, I was thinking about that dynamic and thought of the movie Goodwill Hunting. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and there's this scene, I wish I could play it for you, but it has some not very Christmas time at church language in it. But there's this scene that happens where uh, these two characters, there's the boy genius Will, played by Matt Damon, who had all kinds of relational trauma in his story. Uh, and he's designated this court-designated therapist, uh, Sean, played by Robin Williams. And and what happens is right before this scene, uh, they have their first interaction and their first meeting. And uh, Will, who is kind of a troubled kid trying to find his way, uh, he's angry about being at this appointment. He's angry about yet another therapist appointed to him. And so as he's sitting there, he starts making fun of some of the things in Sean's office. And uh, specifically, he makes fun of this painting that's sitting in there. And that's all this attempt for Will to not have to be vulnerable, to not actually have to share about his story. But he sees this painting, and he calls it garbage. He says it's just like uh, his career as this uh, therapist at a small college. And uh, he says it's just like his recently ended marriage that uh, he knows really nothing about. But it it clearly shakes Sean, the therapist, played by Robin Williams. And and in that moment, the meeting just ends abruptly, and you think, okay, this isn't going to go well, right? But the next day, you see this park bench scene, and they're sitting there together. And what Sean, the therapist, tells Will is he says he stayed up all night thinking about that painting 
But then he had this realization that led him to sleep like a baby. And what he realized is that Will is just a kid who's never even left Boston. And he talks about all the knowledge that Will has, because Will's a genius, right? And he says, you could probably tell me about Michelangelo from all the books that you've read. You can tell me all the statistics of his story. He goes on this incredible rant. It's like the greatest monologue in a movie full of great monologues. But he goes off about it and how, like, you could tell me all these details about Michelangelo, but you can't tell me what the Sistine Chapel smells like. Right? You can't tell me what it's like to look up in that room and see that work of art. And he goes on and he says, you could tell me all about marriage and about love, and you might even recite a poem to me or tell me your favorite song. You can tell me about all the girls that you liked along the years, but you can never tell me what it's like to wake up next to a person day after day after day for years and know that you're really in love. And he drives it home talking about uh, him sitting with his wife as they're separated, but sitting with her as she went through chemotherapy and, and all the treatment of that. And it's this amazing scene. Again, put the kids to bed later and then watch it uh, if you're into it. But what he's getting at is there's knowledge, there's stuff that can only be gained through actually participating, through actually experiencing something. And this shows up in the Christmas story too. There are characters who opted to participate in the story even though they weren't anywhere near uh, to the area of Bethlehem or anywhere really related. And this group of people are the Magi or the three wise men as we often know them. Although nowhere in scripture does it tell us that they were three. We can assume that they were wise, I guess. They were likely men, so that part's probably right. But uh, really, we don't know a lot of details about these guys. Uh, There's kind of this assumption that they were maybe from Persia because they had heard about the promise of the Jewish Messiah, this king who was going to be born and, and who would set everything right. And, and so they likely knew about that story because of this moment in God's people's history called the Babylonian captivity, where they were taken away to the region of Persia. And, and so these men, they studied the stars, and they had heard rumors uh, about this king who one day would be born. And then they heard about the star, and they chose to go on a journey to discover what it was all about. And Matthew records it in this way, that the men, the magi, these wanderers and searchers, say, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. See, they wanted to know God, and they were willing to move from just observing the details of the story to actually participating in it in order to find out what was really happening. And maybe the invitation for you this Christmas in whatever mess you find yourself in, maybe that's the simple invitation for you too, to move from simply observing the details of the story, maybe it's simply acknowledging another season coming and another season going, and and maybe for you the invitation is to actually participate in what God may be doing in your life. The power of Christmas is, is that there's also the opposite side of the story coming true as well, that not only are we invited to participate with God, but God chose to participate in our world. God chose to participate in life as we know it. Uh, There's an author and a pastor named Brian Zahn, and and he phrased it in this way uh, in a talk he gave last year that I listened to. He says, Christ is not just born in the beautiful places of our lives, as if we live in the idyllic bubble of a snow globe. Christ, or I'm sorry, Jesus was not born into a fairy tale, but into the world as it is. And we like to dress it up, don't we? Like the nativity scene on your front lawn looks really pretty and, and all the images we have about Mary like carrying this baby, she's like looking good and glowing and glammed up and whatever. But the reality is there's power that Jesus was born into this world as it is for us. That Jesus was born into our world. It's the absurdity of the creator of everything 
becoming a character in the story. And, and to drive it home, it, it's Christmas time, and for me, Christmas time for several years also meant Star Wars time uh, because there were new Star Wars movies released around this time of the year, and I really miss that. I would love to have some more. Um, but I, I was thinking about this dynamic that the creator became a character, and, and what it would be like in Star Wars terms is if George Lucas, uh, the white-haired guy over there and the bearded guy over there, if George Lucas, you can take your pick, like current George Lucas or 70s George Lucas, but it, it would be like him actually interacting with Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, not as the guy who authored the story, but as a part of the story. Uh, like, what happens at Christmas time is as absurd as George Lucas writing himself into Star Wars, becoming a character alongside the characters or the people that he created. But that is exactly what God chose to do this season. God chose to enter into the mess. And, and I want you to think about it for a second. Like, the one who made the human eye, a as a little baby, had a season where he wasn't even able to focus his own, right? The, the one who spoke the oceans into existence went thirsty and had to ask his mom for a drink. The one who caused rocks to form likely tripped on them as a little boy and skinned his knee. <laughs> and, and beyond that, here's what I want you to get. It's that Jesus knows what it's like to be you this season. Jesus knows what it's like uh, because Jesus lived as one of us. He wrote himself into the story and, and he can empathize with us. And the announcement that was made uh, to Mary, initially letting them know that this miracle was going to happen, it captures the power of this season because the angel shows up, and Matthew records it, that the angel says, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It means God is with us. And, and friends, don't like let Christmas gloss by you this season and not grab onto the power and the reality of that for you, that God is with you wherever you find yourself, that God is with you in the midst of your everyday life, that Christmas isn't the story of God being with us a long time ago, that Christmas isn't the promise of God being with us some distant day in the future, but God is with you now. And what if God isn't absent in the midst of our messes, but what if he's actually most present in the midst of them? Like, what if you and I could really live our lives understanding that God is with you in the ER and in the lawyer's office and during finals week and when you're changing diapers and in prison and on your first date and at the preschool drop-off line, right? He's there somewhere, I promise. <laughs> that God, God's with you in therapy, this will be a good one for tomorrow, probably. He's with you when you're shoveling snow. <laughs> he's with you at AA, and he's with you during chemo. He is with you everywhere, every season, every day, every moment. That is the power, and that is the promise of Christmas. And the announcement of this good news, it started with one of the most common uh, commands that was actually given in all of Scripture, it actually shows up in the Bible 365 times. Sometimes people say it's there like one for every day of the year. But it's this command or this instruction to be not afraid. The angel shows up and says, be not afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all of the people. And I would be willing to bet you probably haven't thought about it in these terms because this isn't how we normally think about Christmas. But I think that be not afraid might actually be a legitimate substitute for Merry Christmas. The, the, the invitation to be not afraid this season and whatever you're facing 
it, it might be a legitimate substitution for saying the phrase Merry Christmas because if you run through the story, it shows up again and again and again. An angel shows up to Zechariah and, and says, be not afraid and announces that his family was gonna raise Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. The angel shows up to Mary and says, be not afraid in the midst of this unexpected pregnancy. The angel shows up to Joseph and says, be not afraid uh, as he's contemplating divorce because of this chaos that's happening in their life. The angel shows up to the shepherds and says, be not afraid and turns them in to the first lowly preachers sharing the good news of what God has done. And I think that God says to you today, be not afraid in the midst of wherever you find yourself. Be not afraid. So what does that mean for us this season? Well, I think it means a couple of things, but the first and most simple is that you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear what you're going through. A and one way that you can actually navigate that, that you can move forward in the midst of whatever you have this season facing you, is you can actually try and find God with you in the midst of it. You can look for where God might be showing up, maybe even in some of the most unexpected places. And then the invitation for all of us right, is to recognize the power of this story, to see that God became one of us. As C.S. Lewis uh, once said, that this God became a, a son of man so that, the sons, so that men could become sons of God. Ooh, help if I didn't butcher that. That God became one of us so that we could have a relationship with him. And so what if for you this season, you moved from observation to participation in the story? You realize that you're invited into it as well, in the middle of whatever mess or whatever reality you may be navigating. Here's what we wanna do as we begin to wrap up uh, our celebration together. I wanna invite you to take just a moment and, and to actually reflect on where God might be showing up in the midst of your Christmas season, in the midst of whatever details or circumstances you're facing, where might God actually be moving and what might he want to show you this season? Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.